welcome to the broadcast of Crosstown Church of Memphis. We are a church that is Christ-centered, diversity-driven, and community-committed. A church that's bringing people together, sharing God's message of hope, love, and service. We seek to love God, love people, and serve the city. We welcome you to our broadcast with Pastor Byron Fitzpatrick. And uh, for those of you that are not aware, and even for those of you that are aware, I want to let you know that we are closing out uh, part two of closing out a teaching series that we started a couple weeks, uh, a few weeks ago, which is titled 30 Days. And in this series, um, we have been talking about, you know, or we've been asking ourselves the question, what would we do if we were told we only had 30 days left to live? You know, if we took, we were told we only had 30 days left to live, there was some, there would be some things in our lives that would change. Amen. There would be some things that we would do differently. And so, um, if you have not, if you haven't been a part of the series, haven't gotten the messages or whatever, and you would like to hear the message in its entirety, the entire series, we've done four parts so far. So far, so just a four-part teaching series. And uh, last week we actually started the closure out of this in part number four, but I didn't get through all the whole thing. So today is the conclusion of the fourth lesson, the fourth part four of it. But you can watch everything, or you can watch all the messages, or you can listen at them, listen to them through our podcast. Uh, you can list, go to any type of podcast uh, outlet like Apple uh, uh, Music or Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and just look up Crosstown Church of Memphis and you can find the messages on there, messages, and you can listen to them there. Um, if you want to watch them, you can go to our YouTube page, which is just simply my name, Byron Fitzpatrick, and um, you can watch the messages there. Uh, so for all the messages, that's where they were at. So today, again, we're going to conclude this series, which is titled 30 Days, where we've been asking ourselves the question, what would we do if some, uh, if we were told we only had 30 days left to live? And the reality is that if we were told we only had 30 days left to live, we would do some things differently. There would be some things about our lives that we would change. Our priorities would change in, in certain areas of our lives. And, uh, you know, we would live our lives a certain type of way. And hopefully throughout this series, you know, you've got, you guys have already started to prioritize or to reprioritize your, prioritize your lives to start thinking about those things that matter most, thinking about those things and, and doing those things that matter most. We spend so much time on stuff that don't really matter in the end, and we spend, le we spend a least amount of time on the things that really do matter. You know, so we're going to end this series with the same scripture that we've been using to drive us through this entire uh, series, which has come from the book of Psalms, chapter 39 and verses four through five. It says, Lord, remind me of how brief, again, this is uh, um, this is uh, uh, David, King David that is talking. And actually this is a song that he wrote and he wrote this song in a prayer form. And he says, Lord, remind me of how brief my time will be here on the earth. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer or no, wider than the width of my hand. He says, an entire lifetime is just a moment with you. And the, David just realized he was reminding himself and he's writing this 
and remind himself of how brief our lives are. You know, we're here today and gone tomorrow. And in this brief time that we have, we really need to uh, uh, focus on those things that really matter, as opposed to spending so much time focused on those things that don't matter, it's those things that don't have any real significance. You know, well, you know, one thing that we need to understand is that, you know, I, in, in part four of this series that we're talking about is the whole focus. One of the focuses is, is about relationships. We need to understand that life, life in itself is all about relationships. When we think about everything that we do in life, one of the things that tends to have the most meaning is the relationships that we have with one another, the relationships that we have with people. You know, Jesus, he was all about relationships and relationships was extremely important to him. He lived his life based off of, built off of, surrounded by, influenced by relationships. You know, um, in the book of Mark, chapter 12 and 29 uh, and 31, it says, Lord, Jesus is saying that. It says the Lord your God, he was challenged with some people, uh, some Pharisees, and they was asking him about the Ten Commandments, about the laws of Moses. And they asked him a question. They said, which one of the Ten Commandments, the law of Moses, is the most important? You know, they was always challenging him about his knowledge and understanding about, you know, uh, uh, about the word of God and so forth. And they asked him this question. And here's Jesus' response to them. He says, the Lord your God is uh, the only Lord. He said, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength and, and, and all your strength. Guess what this is about? This is about relationship with who? Relationship with the father. He said, they asked, what's the most important commandment? Loving God. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is about relationship with God. Amen. And then he goes on. And he said, a second one, a second one is equally as important. And that is to love your neighbor as yourself. He says, these are the greatest commandments. Jesus summed up the whole entire law of Moses. He, has, he summed up the, all the 10 commandments built off of relationship, relationship number one with God and relationship equally as important with one another. The 10 commandments, I keep telling you guys this over and over again, all 10 commandments are broken up into two parts. The first four commandments is all about relationship with God. The next six commandments, five through 10, is all about relationship with one another. So you can see here that it's all about relationships. We need to understand that God created us for relationships. I told you guys last week, he created Adam. He created, he was the first man. And when God created Adam, after a while, he looked at Adam and he said, it is not good that man should what? that man should be alone. He needs to have someone that he can have a relationship with. And so therefore he created Eve. You know, deep in our DNA, in the heart of our DNA, God designed us to connect with other people. He designed us to live on a very intimate level that very few people ever understand or very few people ever experience. You know, an intimate level where it is deeper than just a, an associate, deeper than just, you know, a friend, you know, deeper than just a best friend. He wants us to have deep, intimate level relationships with one another where his love, it, it is it transcends, it, it, it duplicates itself into how we are. We love one another. Amen. So we said we're going to look at the word of God. So we're going to look at what God thinks about relationship. Last week, we ended on, you know, I tell you guys, I'm going to give you three things, three things that we can do to, to help us with relationships. But here's the focus for today's message. The subtitle of today's message is, 
And again, we're on uh, part four, but this is uh, part two of part four, okay? If that makes any sense to you guys. The subtitle of this lesson is, is titled Fix It. You know, so if you only had 30 days, so the series title is 30 days, asking ourselves a question, if you only had 30 days to live, you know, uh, what would you do? How would you live your life if you only had 30 days to live? If we were told we only had 30 days left to live, a lot of us really began to think about the relationships that we have with different people. And God wants us to know and understand there are some relationships out there that are not in a good place. There are some relationships out there that are broken. There are some relationships out there that are suffering right now. Each of us could probably think of at least one, maybe two or three, or some people, maybe four or five, where we got some broken relationships. We got some relationships that need repair, some relationships that, that needs to be fixed. So God is saying today, fix it. Amen. Last week, last week, we ended on number one. I gave, I'm giving you three things to help fix these relationships. Number one, I told you guys that we need to make every effort to stay united. We need to make every effort to stay united. The book of Ephesians chapter, chapter four and verse three, it says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. He says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. An effort is to make a determined attempt. God wants us to make a determined attempt. He wants us to fight for these relationships. And he wants us to fight to maintain, to keep the unity uh, uh, in the spirit. Amen. Keep ourselves united together in the spirit. Amen. So today I'm not going to go through all of that again. Again, if you want to hear the fullness of that message from, from last week, go to our YouTube, go to our podcast channels, and you can get it there. Amen. I'm going to pick up today where we're going to conclude this thing is number two. So for those of you that are taking notes, Number two is this, in fixing relationships, in, in building and making a relationships a priority in our lives, number two is this, we need to fight for peace. <clears throat> we need to fight for peace in our relationships. Ephesians, again, the same scripture that I use in, in num, uh, number one. Number one, again, was um, uh, we need to fight for the unity, to maintain, to keep the, we need to fight to keep the unity. And number two is this, we need to fight for peace. Ephesians chapter four, verse three, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, doing what? Binding yourselves together in peace. Amen. If you can hear me right now, if you can see me right now, just say peace. You don't have to say it out loud, but just say it in your spirit. Amen. Say peace. We need to work really hard in binding ourselves together in peace. When you look around the world today, there are very little signs of peacemakers. There are very little signs of people who make peace. You know, everyone is fighting, but no one is making peace. No one. You know, people have all these peace treaties and peace meetings and everything like that, but nothing is getting resolved because in the center of it, people are still fighting. People are still fighting and nobody's making peace. You know, people are fighting over stuff or fighting for stuff or over stuff that don't matter. You know, we look at so many conflicts and so many uh, wars and stuff that's going on over the world. They're fighting for stuff and they're fighting over stuff that really don't matter in the end. You know, people are fighting for things that are temporary and not eternal. Every time we turn around, we hear stories of tragedy constantly. Turn on the news. Tragedy. Talk to your friends. Tragedy. You know, listen to the radio. Tragedy. Listen to music on the radio, uh, uh, whether you're streaming or whatever, tragedy, drive down the street, tragedy, tragedy is everywhere, everywhere. For some of the, 
you that are a little bit older like myself, you remember Walter Hawkins and uh, in one of his songs, he said, tragedies are commonplace. What's the next line? People. Yeah, he said tragedies, y'all. <laughs> I used to be able to sing. I can't sing no more. I had to depend on my wife, y'all. Tragedies are commonplace. Walter Hawkins said this years ago. This was back in the 80s, I believe, when he did this song. Years ago, he said that tragedies are commonplace. Today, they are com it's a common thing. You know, most of these tragedies, guess what? Most of these tragedies are man-made tragedies. You know, it's, it's, there, there are enough bad stories without us having to create more. There's so much tragedy out there already, and, and, and man is creating more and more tragedies constantly. There's so much tragedy that's going on around it. There, there's no need for us to create any more bad stories. How about this? How about this? How about we really focus on and begin living our lives in an intentional way to create good stories? There's enough bad stories. We don't, the world don't need no more. There's not enough good stories. There's a lot of good stories. Don't get me wrong. But how about we be intentional? We live our lives in an intentional way to create good stories. I mean, stories about reconciled relationships and not broken ones. Stories about hope and not loss. Stories about victory and not defeat. What about us creating stories about love and peace and not hate and tragedies? Amen. The book of Matthew chapter five and verse nine, it says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. From the looks of things, there aren't there many children of God. I mean, based on this scripture, I'll read it one more time just to make sure you guys heard me right. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. Because there's a huge lack of peace in the world today, then that means that there's not an appearance of a lot of children of God, because if there were, they would be called, they would be making peace. They would be called peacemakers. We got people all in the church, in the Christian community and the religious communities and, and, and everything that's creating more tragedies and creating more case than they are creating more peace. I know some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Amen. The book of James chapter three and verse 18, it says, those who sow peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Righteousness is something that we don't see rampant in our streets. We don't see a lot of it in our streets. You step outside and guess what? You know, it's hard, it's hard to find righteousness. Those people that can identify righteousness when they see it, when they see it, it tends to stand out, don't it? Somebody is living in a righteous way. They're doing righteous things or they're, or they're living in a way where they're creating peace and not creating hatred and not creating, you know, strife and tragedies. It's like those good qualities, those good characteristics that are in people that people have or that, you know, we, 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 when they happen, when we see it, we notice it. I know some of y'all know what I'm talking about. If there's a lack of righteousness, which there is. Is partly to blame on the lack of people sowing peace. Marguerite said, wow, did y'all hear her? I'm going to say that one more time because somebody's taking notes. Somebody writing some things down. You might want to tweet this one right here. All right. If, uh, some of y'all might not be tweeting anymore. You can put it on Instagram, Facebook, wherever you're doing it. TikTok it. There, if there's a lack of righteousness, which there is, 
is partly to blame on the lack of people sowing peace. We need to fight for peace amongst those that we have broken relationships with. We need to fight for peace with those people where we have damaged relations with. Fight to maintain the peace in those relationships that are all, that, that are in a good place. So we have some bad relationships, some broken relationships, some damaged relationships, some relationships that are suffering right now. And we need to fight for that peace. Amen. Remember when I talked about fighting to, to maintain the unity and the spirit? We need to fight. We need to be like a gladiator. We need to make an attempt, a determined attempt. Amen. Jesus said, do what? Make every effort, make every effort to maintain or the, uh, 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 to the, the unity of the spirit, doing what? Binding ourselves in the spirit of peace. We need to fight for peace also. Amen. So fight. Instead of being uh, uh, creating tragedies, instead of creating chaos, fight for peace. Those relationships that are suffering right now, fight for peace in those relationships. Sometimes we have to lay our own uh, interests aside. Sometimes we have to lay our own pride aside to do what? Maintain the peace. Swallow your pride. Amen. Number three. Number three is this. So I gave you two things. We need to fight for fight for the unity, fight for unity in our relationships. Number two, we need to fight for peace in our relationships. Number three is this. This is the last one. And that is to forgive irrationally. So if you're taking notes, underline irrationally. All right. We need to forgive, not just forgive, but we need to forgive irrationally. We need to forgive in a way that don't make any sense. Because you know what? When you look at the life of Jesus, there's a whole lot of stuff about his life that just didn't make sense. It didn't. He went against the grain. It didn't go the way society, the way the world has taught us to live. You know, it, it went against that. He gave us something different. A lot of times he, he was in situations. He said, this is what has been uh, uh, done traditionally. He said, but I want to give you something different. There's times where Jesus said, he said, don't be like the rest of them, but do something different. He said, don't be like the world. Amen. Let's, let's do something different. He was always giving us a different way of handling things, a different way of doing things, things in ways that just did not make sense. But guess what? Even though they did not make sense, they worked. And that was one of the reasons why the disciples were so intrigued by him. Because they, they, they try these different ways of stuff, but they worked and they were like surprised and amazed. Dang, this really worked. You know, I remember I told you guys the story over and over again about my when my first belief really, really started is when, you know, Jesus, you know, in the Bible, I read, hey, love your enemies. Amen. I loved on a kid that I used to hate. I wanted to beat up a kid. You know, I was 21. He was 13. And all of a sudden, and, and over about a week or two's time, that kid became a very good friend of mine. And God said, I told you so. We don't love our enemies. We hate them. We step on them. We stomp them. Forgive irrationally. Amen. Forgive. Forgiveness is hard. You, you guys know it. It's hard. It's hard to forgive people. It's, even, it's, it's hard also to ask for forgiveness. We got so much pride. We, we'll do something wrong and we won't even ask for forgiveness. We'll just avoid that person forever and hope that they, ever, they forget about it. Right. Colossians chapter three and verse 13, it says, have patience with one another and forgive those who offend you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Many of you have been hurt. Many of you have been hurt. 
You've been abused. People have talked about you. They have slandered you. They have used you. They've taken advantage of you. They have really mistreated you. Some people have done some things. You've experienced some things in your lives that you, you would say is unforgivable. I just, I just cannot forgive them for that. You know, I know. I know. I have too. I, I've experienced hurt from people that, 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 you know, what the world has said, what society has said, and even how I felt in my own heart that I just can't forgive them for. You know, I've asked God, how do I forgive those who have hurt and abused me and done unforgivable things to me? People who have slandered me, people who have gossiped and put my name all out in the street, put my name out in the street and put my business all out in the street. How do I forgive these people? How do I get myself to a place where I can look at someone and I say to them, you know what? I forgive you for what you did. How, how, how can I do that? Here's how. Here's how you can do that. You can do it. Take the situation. Take the situation that caused the breakdown in the relationship and examine it. All right. I like to say it this way. Un let's, let's unpack this. Somebody said that to me one time and I, I like it. I, I just kind of, you know, held on to it, you know, and they said that we were talking about something and, and, and they said to me, they said, you know what, let's, let's unpack this. I'm going to unpack it. Okay, cool. But when they said that, what I thought about is like, you know, you back in the, back in the day, you, know, you go grocery shopping, you know what I'm saying? And I remember back in the day, we used to have them big old brown paper sacks, you know, that you get from the grocery store and you carry them big old bags, you know? And then when you unpack the bag, you stick your hand in the bag and pull the stuff out and pull it out. You know, one at a time, you pull the stuff out and you will do what? Unpack the bag. So let's take a situation. So we all got situations with people, you know, that 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 we may need to forgive or they need to forgive us or whatever. Just take the situation and unpack it. Just start taking things out one piece at a time and sitting it on the counter. And once you take things out one time, one piece at a time and you sit it on the counter. Now you can do what you can organize it. Once you unpack the groceries, you sit everything out on the counter, you can organize it and begin to put it in its proper place. You know, all the, 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 the refrigerated stuff go over here. You know, all, all the stuff that needs to go in the cabinets go over here. All the stuff that needs to go, you know, in, in someplace else go over here, you know, in the, in the bathroom or whatever. You know, you, you, you unpack it, then you organize and separate everything and then you put it in its right place. Look at your situation. Examine it. Unpack it. Take stuff out piece by piece separate and organize it, and then begin to put it in its right place. All right. Uh, uh, so here's how you unpack it. Here's how you unpack. Here's how you examine these situations with these broken relationships. Amen. Ask yourself this. What was the root? What was the root of this situation? What was the main thing? What was the thing that caused this problem? What was the thing that caused the breakdown in the beginning? Be careful not to get caught up with all the effects and all the residue. We all, you know, every time you have a problem, a situation comes up, it's a whole bunch of after, you know, stuff that just comes in, a whole bunch of effects, whole bunch, you know, they say cause and effect, right? Cause and effect. All right. We don't want to look at the effects. We don't want to look at the residue and stuff that's left behind. You know, after you shoot a gun, there's some residue left, right? Don't look at the residue. Don't look at the, the effects. Look at the what? The cause. Cause and effect. Y'all get this? Look at the cause. What was the root? What was the main thing? And I like to say that 
Keep the main thing the main thing. So often we try to fix problems and we try to handle situations and we're dealing with the effects and we're dealing with the residue and we're not fixing or we're not focused on the main thing. We're not focused on the cause. So first, identify the cause. Once you have identified what, what this thing was, the cause, once you have, have identified the root, ask yourselves a few questions, all right? Take notes down. If you're taking notes, write these down. Ask yourselves a few questions. So first of all, identify the cause. Identify the root, the main thing. Once you identify that, then ask yourself some questions. What was my expect? What is my expected outcome? Here's the problem. Here's the root of the problem. I want to fix this thing, okay, with this person. I want to fix it. So here's what I need to do. What is the expected outcome? What's the win? In other words, how can you win in this situation? What's the win for this? You know, if you was running a hundred yard race, a hundred uh, hundred yard dash, you know, you know, track meet, run a hundred hundred yard hundred yard dash. What's what's the what's the expected outcome that you break the ribbon? Yeah, that that's the win. You cross the line first. That's the win. Okay, that's the expected outcome. Why you run this race? Because I want to break the ribbon. That's why I'm running this race. Okay, you got the problem here. You got a whole bunch of other people lined up. You got a whole, whole bunch of other problems and residue and, uh, 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 you know, effects that's lined up here with the problem. You want to win. What's your win? What's your win? What's your expected outcome? Number one, that's the question you ask. Number two, did you do anything that was wrong in this situation? What did you do? It's a bad situation. A broken situation. What did you do that was wrong? If you did anything. Maybe you didn't do anything, but if you did do anything, identify what you did that was wrong, okay? And then the next question is this. I said three questions, right? Here's the third question. How do I take responsibility for my role? So often we're focused on what other people did. You know, we'll, we, we may identify an expected outcome. You know what I'm saying? We might identify, we got the root, we, we identified the root. And with the root, we're trying to figure out how we're going to fix it. And we might have an expected outcome. But we never ask ourselves the question, what do we do wrong? And we don't, and, and, and because we don't identify what we did that was wrong, we don't take responsibility for it. All right? Remember, I told you guys this. If you want healing, be ready for conflict and confrontation. He healing doesn't just come for free. It comes with a cost. You, if you break your arm, guess what? It's gonna have some, it's gonna come conflict and confrontation. You're gonna have some pain. It's gonna endure for a while. You gotta get a cast on it. You might gotta go see the doctor. Doctor might have to replace the bone or whatever. And depending on how bad it is, you might have to have some surgery. You're gonna have to take some pain pills, all kind of stuff that's gonna come along with it. But guess what? It will do what? It will heal. Healing comes with conflict and confrontation. Most people don't want to face that conflict and confrontation. And healing. These relationships, most people approach trying to fix broken relationships with going to someone and telling them what they did to hurt you and expect them to say sorry. Did y'all get that? Most people, this is how they approach fixing broken, broken relationships. They go to someone and they tell them what they did that was wrong. This is what you did. This is what you did. This is what the finger point. This is what you did. This is what you did. And, and, and don't you all know that? That it's very seldom that someone says, oh, man, you know what? I'm sorry. Please forgive me. That don't happen. Most of the time, the conflict just keeps going. It gets bigger and bigger. The confrontation just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. A whole bunch of more effects happen. A lot more residue is there. We know that this don't always work. 
You know, the best way, the best way to start is by expressing your expected outcome. So when you're trying to fix a situation, you, you, you identified the win. I mean, you've identified the core problem, the main thing. All right. And so with the main thing, you you've asked yourself the question, you know, uh, um, um, you know, uh, what was the first question I gave you guys? You've asked yourself the question, you know, what was the root, the main thing? You know, you said, what's the expected outcome? What's your win? You know, uh, did you have anything to do with this situation? Did you do anything wrong in this situation? And also taking responsibility for your role. Amen. So most people are, are, are uh, uh, the best way to start expressing your, your outcome, your expected outcome. So when you're going into these situations, say to express to the person, hey, you know, we had this problem over here. And I just wanted to talk to you about it. And this is my, this is what I hope to accomplish out of talking to you with it. This is my expected outcome. This is the win. So hopefully you can go into it and make that the first thing. And guess what? You, you hopefully you can end with what you started, your expected outcome, the win. Amen. And then uh, 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 tell them what the win is. Tell them what your expected outcome. The next thing that you do is take responsibility for your part. If there was anything, if you had any pro any any issue, any uh, uh, responsibility, just own it. Own your responsibility. Tell the person that hey, we had this situation. This is what I did. This is what I want to accomplish. This is my expected outcome. I want us to be able to fix this. Okay, uh, and and here's what I did that was wrong. And so I want to acknowledge that. And I want to ask that you forgive me for, for what I did. You know, if there's anything that you did that was wrong, calmly tell them, you know, or, or shall I say, if the, you own yours, right? And you tell them and you ask them for forgiveness. If there wasn't nothing that you did, and sometimes there are situations where we didn't do anything wrong. That's rare, though, because when somebody does something wrong to us, we do sometimes, a lot of times, most times retaliate with wrong. We fight fire with fire. That's just the way we do. But if there isn't anything that you did wrong, calmly begin to tell them how they hurt you. Don't tell them what they did. We go, we go point fingers. This, you did this, you did this, you did this. No, tell them how they hurt you. Tell them how it affected you. Tell them how it, it impacted you. You know, this when you did this, it hurt me in this way. A lot of times we go to people, we point fingers, tell them what they did, what they did, what they did. So the focus is all on them. No, switch the focus to yourself. Try to help them to understand how they affected you in a negative way, how they hurt you. And then hopefully through that, they can have some sensitivity about it and realize that, man, I did hurt you. You know, be very careful not to do this or be, be, be very careful to do this with self-control. Because we know in heated situations, things is hard to control. Do this with self-control. Self-control is one of the fruits of the spirit. Amen. And, 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 and do this with your expected outcome in mind. Once you do this, just wait for their response. They're going to respond inside. They, won't, they may respond bad. They may respond good. But just wait for their response. All right. And, and here's the thing. However they respond, make sure that you verbalize forgiving them with love. All right. Make sure that you verbalize forgiving them with love. And remember that you can't control their actions. Your act, their actions is not your responsibility. You're only responsible for your own actions. If you do what you're supposed to do, if you do the right thing, whether it turns out good or bad, you can walk away with a peaceful heart because you've done everything that you can do to do what? To sow 
peace. And the Bible says those that sow peace sow a harvest of righteousness. Amen. So if even if, if even if they don't receive the what was reaped out of this, what's being reaped out of this thing, you do. You do. You walk away with righteousness. You walk away with peace and let them go on their way. Amen. Remember, God forgave you, so you must forgive them. He forgives us. How does God forgive us? Over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And, and we can keep on going. Amen. He never stops forgiving us. Thank God. Thank you, God, for your constant forgiving me and helping me. Help me to be forgiving as you are. Amen. I want to be as forgiving as God. I know it's a hard thing. I know it's a hard thing. It's a hard thing for me, too. But, I, hey, I'm striving for it. I want to strive to be a forgiving person. One thing that the world hates is a hypocrite. One of the ways that we show the world, we as Christians, one of the ways that we show the world that we are hypocrites is by not forgiving. Think about it. The world hates a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite by accepting God's forgiveness and not willing to give other people forgiveness. That's a hypocrite. God forgives you over and 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 over again. And you constantly accepting it every time. Every time he, he forgives you, you taking it, your hands out. But then somebody do something wrong to you. And no, I'm not forgiving them. That's hypocrisy. You, you can't accept God's forgiveness if, if you can't pay it forward. You just can't. If you can't pay it forward, you can't accept his. I, you know, I was curious about this. I'm about to break it down. I'm about to uh, close this thing out, y'all. I was curious about this. I was curious about the last days. You know, we, the title of the series is called 30 Days. And, and, you know, if you were told you only had 30 days left to live, how would you live your life differently? So I was curious about Jesus and what he did during his last 30 days here on the earth. And, you know, I was even more curious about his last 30 hours. Okay? His last 30 hours. So let me give you a rundown of his last 30 hours. He was betrayed by his best friends. Not just Judas. We all know he was betrayed by Judas. But Jesus, that very same night that Judas betrayed him, he was talking and he told Peter, he said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times tonight. Peter said, no, I ain't. I'm not going to deny you three times. He said, you're going to deny me three times before the cock crows. Peter denied him. His best friend, Peter denied him three times in one night. He, he was betrayed by his best friends. <clears throat> he was arrested because of the betrayal of one, one of his friends. He was arrested. He was taken to court. He was judged guilty for crimes that he never committed. He was beaten beyond recognition. He was whipped. On top of that, they made him carry his cross all the way to the place of his death. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They nailed spikes through his hand. They hung him on a cross for the world to see him and to laugh at him and to spit on him and to mock him and to make fun of him. And on top of that, his best friends, they turned away from him. His best friends, he couldn't find them. His best friends were not standing at that cross, still pleading for him and defending him and fighting for him or whatever they needed to do. His best friends were not there. He was left alone. What, what did he say? What did Jesus say? He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Who do you need to forgive? What's their name? Write it down now. We all can think of somebody that we need to forgive. 
write their names down. You know, my next question is, who do you need to ask to forgive you? There's somebody that you need to ask to forgive you for what you did. You know, maybe you're the guilty one and not them. You're the one that did the hurting. You're the one that did the gossiping. You're the one who did the lying. You're the one who put other people in difficult situations. Who do you need to go to and ask to forgive you? I say to you, do it today. Time is short. We don't know how much time we have left on this earth. We're here today and we're gone tomorrow. Do not let time continue to go by without asking for forgiveness. It's all about relationship. Jesus said, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments. Above all commandments, loving God and loving your neighbors as yourself. Can't get no better than that. If, if you remember the movie Antoine Fisher, if you remember this movie, guess what? It was all about forgiveness. Antoine Fisher had so much tragedy come to his life that was created mostly at the hands or by the hands of other people. Unforgivable stuff. And, and, and his whole journey in this movie was all about forgiveness. It was all about forgiveness. Guess what? Irrational forgiveness. Not just regular forgiveness. Irrational forgiveness. If you were told you only had 30 days left to live. I'm going to quickly uh, snap back through all the lessons. One through four. Number one. Lesson number one was this. Live in the moment. Tomorrow is not promised. Ask God to turn your wins into now. Stop living when this. When this happened, I'm going to do this. When this happened, I'm going to do this. No, stop living the win-then lives and live now. Ask God to turn your wins into nows. Ask God to turn your intentions into actions. We all have good intentions, but they never turn into actions. Turn your intentions into actions. Amen. Turn your hearts fully toward Jesus. Don't be a part-time Christian. Be a full-time Christian. Amen. Amen. Don't mean you have to live a perfect life, but but you know Jesus. Live a full, be a full-time Christian, not a part-time Christian. Amen. Number lesson number two was this: store up treasures in heaven, treasures that cannot be stolen or, or destroyed, treasures that will last forever, like things like good deeds, things like prayer, things like forgiveness. Store up treasures in heaven. Lesson number three was this: leave a godly legacy, not just leave a legacy, but leave a godly legacy. Say the thing that God, things that God wants you to say. Do the things that God wants you to do. Live the way God wants you to live. And lastly, lesson number four. Fix broken relationships. Make every effort to stay united. Amen. Fight for peace and forgive irrationally. If you only had 30 days left to live and you knew it, these would be some things that you would really begin to think about. And you would probably begin to reprioritize your lives to move these things higher upon your list of things to do. If this message was a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry in a financial way, you can donate electronically by texting to 84321 and enter the dollar amount you'd like to donate in the message area. Or you can mail a check or money order to Crosstown Church of Memphis, 
P.O. Box 40981, Memphis, Tennessee, 38104. We invite you to visit our website at www.wearecrosstown.com for more information about our church. Join us for our next broadcast next Sunday at 10 a.m. Be blessed and be better.